This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. your first time joining us with Harvest, at Harvest, whether you're in person or whether you're online, we welcome you. Thank you for being a part. We want you to know that we are excited that you're with us. We are in the what part? What number? 19th part of a series that we are calling The Story. And we started this back in February in the book of Genesis, and we're going to end in November in the book of Revelation. And we are taking the Bible from beginning to end chronologically, and our goal is to understand God's plan, what we've described as his upper story, and how it, work, how it works out through time, from the beginning of creation up until today and on into eternity. And we know that it's all about God's plan to bring man back into relationship in the way that he originally designed it. And so, uh, so last week, um, what, who did we talk about last week? What book were we in? Daniel. That's right. And so for those of you who read chapter 19, as I said, we read from the book of uh, Ezra and Haggai. And so picking up where we left off last week, uh, God is, is directing Judah. What we've read up to this point, God is directing Judah to a position where he can do what? Bring forth the Messiah. That's all God's trying to do at this point. He's trying to keep Judah intact. He's trying to keep Judah on track because he promised that through the line of Judah, he's going to bring forth the Messiah who's going to bridge the gap and he's going to bring mankind back into relationship with the Father again. Now the problem is, just like Adam and Eve in the beginning, God's people aren't listening to him and not obeying him, right? And they keep getting themselves in trouble. We read a, we a month or two ago about how, about how they had the judges, and the judges were trying to bring them back in line, and then they had the kings, and, and they didn't listen, and, uh, and God warns them over and over again, right? He sends prophet after prophet to warn them and to tell them that if they don't get back in line, that they're going to lose every good thing they've been given. He tells them over and over and over again. Did they listen? Nah. They're kind of stubborn. How many of us in here can be kind of stubborn sometimes too? I know I can. So last week where we left off, the southern kingdom of Judah is in exile, right? In what country? Babylon. It's modern day Iraq today. So the southern kingdom of Judah is in exile in Babylon, but God, but God in his mercy and grace has promised them. That at 70 years, the end of 70 years, that he would bring them back. And he would restore to them their inheritance and what he had given them. And so, as we wrapped up last week and we come into the reading for this week, we know that the 70 years are up. And it's time for God's people to go home. How many of you have ever been at a place in your life where maybe you recognize that it was time to go home? Any of you ever been there? Maybe you were, felt like you were in exile, like, like David and the guys. Maybe you were like the prodigal son. Maybe you had kind of wandered away. But there came a point where you said, I got to go home. I got to go home. 
And so what we're going to do is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep this rather brief today, so you're going to have to hang with me. I'm going to keep it rather brief because we've got to get into our community, what, what, where we're going as far as community groups and all that. So uh, uh, I want to remind you again that if you are following along, uh, we don't pass out notes anymore, but you can follow along on the Bible app on your phone. If you go open it up, hit more, go to events, you will find the notes there, and you can follow along the scriptures and the points and, and everything else along there, so you can follow along. But I want to give you four lessons that we can learn about coming home. And as we talk about these four lessons, maybe you or maybe somebody you know maybe has walked away from God or maybe has estranged themselves from family. And maybe you find yourself in a place where you know you say, you know what, this just isn't working and uh, I, I need to come home. So let me give you these four points. Number one, first point, is God will always make a way. How have you remembered the song? Our God will make a way. What's the rest of it say? Man, none of y'all grew up in a Baptist church. <laughs> where there seems to be no way. Our God will make a way where there seems to be no way. Now, guys, God did this for Judah. Now, remember, they had been in exile for how many years? 70 years. Guys, this is mainly a new generation. There were probably very few that remembered the homeland. There was probably a bit of them that didn't even know about God's promise to deliver them and send them home after 70 years. I'll bet you there were some of the Jews that didn't even consider themselves to be in exile anymore. They said, oh, it is what it is. It's the new norm, right? And they had accepted life for what it was. And so at the end of these 70 years, something happens. And so if you've got your Bible, you can turn with us to Ezra chapter 1. And remember the point is, God will always make a way. Let's see how he makes a way. In Ezra chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. It says, in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, remember Daniel served under Cyrus, that was the last king he served under, right? In the first year of King Cyrus of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord spoken to Jeremiah, the Lord moved the heart of King of Cyrus, king of Persia. Y'all see that? Do you see God making a way? God moved the heart of Cyrus, king of Persia, to make a proclamation throughout his realm and also to put it in writing. This is what Cyrus, king of Persia, says. The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has appointed me to build a temple for him at Jerusalem in Judah. Any of his people among you may also go up to Judah in, Jerusalem in Judah and build the temple of the Lord, the God of Israel, the God who is in Jerusalem, and may their God be with them. And, somebody say and. In any locality where survivors, Jews, may now be living, the people, who are the people? The Babylonians, the people of the empire. The people are to provide for them, provide them with silver and gold, with goods, with livestock, with free will offerings for the temple of the God in Jerusalem. What in the world just happened? Can you imagine... 
Can you imagine the Jew? Guys, this was a pagan king. He would have worshipped many gods. Probably did not worship the God of Israel. Certainly didn't follow his ways. And seemingly overnight, out of nowhere, we have no indication that this is coming. He makes a proclamation. He, he like has an epiphany. Huh. Bing. I need to send all these people home to Judah. All these people. Probably some of them were slaves serving within the Babylonian Empire. You know what? I need to, I need to let them all go. I need, I need to let them all head home. They, they need to go home and build a temple to the, to the, to the God of Israel. Not only that, I need to make sure it's all paid for. Not only that, I need to make sure we return all the stuff to the temple that was stolen 70 years ago. Not only that, I need to make sure that they are guarded and protected on their long journey home so that nobody attacks them and takes advantage of them. Read on, it's there. This is my proclamation, so be it. Can you imagine the Jews when they read this proclamation? They, I can't imagine they initially rejoiced and started hooping and hollering. They probably said, what in the world? This has got to be fake news. The pagan king. This cannot be real. They probably double and triple checked. I'm not heading out of here. They're probably, it's probably a trick. They're probably going to kill us on the way out of town. Can you imagine? Guys, God turned the heart of a pagan king. I, I don't know about you, but that gives me a little bit of hope for today. Especially with 2020 where we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't know where God's going to direct a heart tomorrow. This seemingly happened overnight. And we're worried about 2020. Guys, God intervened in the upper story and suddenly opens the door for his people's return. He turns the heart of a pagan king, possibly the most powerful man in the world during that time. And how do you know he can do the same thing for you? God will always make a way. Again, how many of you remember a time when maybe you were a prodigal and suddenly the situation changed? Maybe you felt hopeless and lost and suddenly a new door opened, or somebody new came into your life, or somebody said something that sparked something within you. And you recall your heart being turned back toward God. You think that was an accident? He will always make a way for you to come back. Now, whether or not you go back is your choice, right? He's not going to force you back. But he will make a way and he will open the doors. So you may be living the life of a prodigal. You may have wandered away and wondered if there's any way for you to come back to God. You may feel like it's hopeless and there is no way. But guys, there is. God intervenes from his upper story all the time. And I guarantee you, regardless of where you're at right now in your life, if you take a really good look, you'll see where God is intervening and you'll see him opening doors for you to return. But there's something else we need to know. So number one, God will always make a way. Secondly, number two, things must be different. Things must be different. 
Something we can learn from the return. Guys, when you make your way back to God, or you make your way back to family, or maybe you're making your way back to sobriety, or whatever it may be in your own life, things cannot be the same. They can't. Some of you would say, I've heard people say, I've tried. I've tried over and over and over again to come back to God. I've tried, but nothing ever changes. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. The reality is that usually what we find is that we're just not willing to make the appropriate changes in our life. With that said, you know, Many times we say out of our mouth that we've come back. But we don't change anything else, and this will never work. Let me, let me show you two things real quick in this. Two things, two changes I noticed in Judah. Two changes from the Judah after exile versus Judah before the exile, okay? First thing I thought about was they didn't institute another king. Remember how we talked about that? The judges and how that went for three or four hundred years and then they demanded a king and all that kind of thing. Remember, God never wanted to appoint a king of Israel. But the people wanted it. God wanted to lead them directly. But the people, they wanted to be like the nations around them. They said that outright. We want to be like the nations around us. We want a king. And so they kept demanding it and God allowed it. And so as they had been warned, these kings... Um, led them astray, really further and further away from God into pagan worship. And, uh, you know, so, so in that, now they're back, and their attitude is different. A king, <laughs> we've been there and done that, like 40 times over, right? Didn't end well. Didn't end well at all. Guys, the next king to sit on the throne of King David of Judah would be Jesus, and he would be the last king, Right? So we see that Judah makes a change. They don't reinstitute a king. Secondly, for those of you who read the chapter this week, I don't know if you noticed the very first thing they did when they got back to Jerusalem. If you jump down to uh, go to Ezra chapter 3, and in Ezra chapter 3, verse 3, it says this. Despite their fears of the people around them. Hey, guys, you recognize people had, once they were led into exile, there were people living there now, right? And all the surrounding enemy nations, they were still there. Judah doesn't have soldiers and armies and everything else at this point. They get back to Jerusalem, and despite their fear of the people around them, they built the altar on its foundation, and they sacrificed burnt offerings on it to the Lord, both morning and evening sacrifices. This is before the temple is rebuilt, and it says they did it on the foundation of the altar, so they went to the ruins of the temple. And the first thing they did was they built an altar on it, and they began sacrificing day and night. They built an altar to the Lord. What are they doing? They're finally putting God first. It's the first thing they did coming back to the land of their inheritance. When you return home to God, how many of you know he can't take second place? That's the mistake we make many times. When we come back we unsuccessfully and things don't work out for us, Probably we've made God second place. We've got to begin to open up his word. We've got to begin to spend time with him. We've got to begin to seek his direction in our decision making. We need to 
How about get ourselves to church or online? How about spending time with your family? I'm talking about the family of God, and I'm not talking about on Sunday morning. Never mind, we'll get to community groups in a few minutes. We say yes to God without compromise and without hesitation. You cannot do the things you used to do when you come back. You can't hang with the same people. Things have to be different. If you're a follower of Jesus and nothing has changed in the rest of your life, then there's a problem. You have to make some decisions. You have to make some changes. And let me tell you this. Those of you who have been believers for any length of time, you know the enemy's watching. He knows your weaknesses. He knows what hangs you up. And he is throwing stuff right in front of your path to trip you up, hoping to get you to fall. So we have got to be And Y'all know, he doesn't play fair, right? He's going to use your past and your weaknesses against you, which brings me to number three. We talked about God will make a way. Things must be different. Number three, we've got to stay alert to the enemy's schemes. We've got to stay alert to the enemy's schemes. Guys, you know this. Here's a fact of life. There will always be somebody that doesn't want you to succeed. Right? There's always somebody. Even if it's just the devil himself. There's always somebody that doesn't want you to succeed, to recover, to get better. And we need to be aware of those schemes against us so that we don't fall. So for Judah, their primary enemy was these surrounding nations. Now, what's the issue with these surrounding nations? They remember who Israel was. Yikes. They remember when Israel was an unstoppable force in the world. They they are not for this make Judah great again campaign. So, the first scheme of their enemies was to infiltrate them and to stop this from the inside out. And we see it in Ezra chapter 4. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. And what happens to these enemies? What do they do? They offer to join Judah. Let us join you and help you build the temple to your God. But a Jew by the name of Zerubbabel, who was uh, a descendant of David, he had been made governor of, uh, of Judah by King Cyrus of Persia. Zerubbabel replies to these enemies. And here's what he says in Ezra chapter 4, verse 3. He says, you have no part with us in building a temple to our God. We alone will build it for the Lord, the God of Israel. And now he name drops, as King Cyrus, the king of Persia, commanded us. Right? Now, did this stop their enemies? (laughs) No, it didn't stop them at all. Actually, if you read, we know they had many more tricks up their sleeves. We know that it says that they used discouragement and they used fear and they used bribery and they outright bullied Judah uh, to try to get them to, uh, to stop all this rebuilding. And how does Judah respond? They stopped. They stopped. So the schemes of the enemy, they worked. Absolutely worked. So they stopped working on the temple, and the temple lays dormant there for 16 years. 
That's a long time. 16 years. It was nothing more than an altar sitting on a construction site for 16 years. This is what God had released them to do. So what did the people do instead during the 16 years? The Bible tells us that they turned their attentions to making their houses all nice and rebuilding their own personal lives and families and focusing on that and, and, and everything else. How of you know this is one of the greatest mistakes of a follower of God is switching our priorities, getting our priorities out of order. But this is what Judah did. Me first, God second. So... It's something because God had just turned the heart of, like I said, probably the most powerful king in the world in their favor. But guess what happens now? Things stop going their way. Judah lost momentum. One day they've, they've got the most powerful king in the world doing a crowdfunding project for them. Protecting them from their enemies. And now, nothing. As a matter of fact, we know that the flow of blessing stopped in their life and favor. We know that they got stuck, which leads us to the last point. Number one was God will always make a way. Number two, things have to be different. Number three, we've got to stay alert to the enemy's schemes. And number four, y'all want to hear this one. We have to be open to correction. And this is where the prophets show up. God sent two prophets to confront his people and to get them back on track. I mean, I mean, my goodness, they just came out of exile after 70 years. He releases them to build the temple, and 16 years goes by. So onto the scene walks Haggai. And in Haggai chapter 1, in verse 3, it says, this is at the end of 16 years, Then the word of the Lord came to the prophet Haggai, and he said, is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled homes while this house remains a ruin? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Think about what you're doing, folks. You have planted much but harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you're not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You see, he's just said that twice. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains. Look, he's giving them a step-by-step -step now. Go up to the mountains, bring down some timber, and build my house so that I might take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. Hey, you know, Haggai brings a he brings a hard word. But he says, um, he says, you know why you're struggling so much? You know why things aren't going your way? You know why you don't have enough food and drink, clothes? He says, by the way, you know why the land is in the middle of a drought right now that you're living in? Because I brought you home to put me first but you've only been concerned with your own desires. You've allowed yourself to be ruled by fear and selfishness. And he says, 
put your trust in me and I will take care of you. So guys, I'll tell you this. With the point being, we have to be open to correction. As a pastor and in church leadership for actually most of my life at this point, I've realized one important thing that I'm very confident of. Most of us are not open to correction. Absolutely not. Most of the church of Jesus today is not currently open to correction. We're not teachable. We don't like being confronted. And here's what I've seen. My experience is this. Most of us, our marriage could be completely falling apart. And we could be, or we could be totally wrapped up in addiction to such a point that it's absolutely and utterly destroying our lives. And we will not allow even the people that are closest to us that have proven that they love us and are for us to speak into our lives. We would rather destroy that relationship than hear the word that they have to say to us. Bet you I've seen it a hundred times. Awfully quiet in here. Do I need to say something encouraging now? <laughs> God's Proverbs 12.1 says, Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. He who hates reproof is stupid. That's what it says. I'm just reading the Bible. Whoever ignores instruction despises himself. But he who listens to reproof gains intelligence. And how about for... How about for the kids? I don't know if, I don't know if y'all are like me. I think my parents made me memorize this and at one point made me write it a number of times. Folly is bound up in the heart of the child, but the rod of correction drives it far from them. Come on. Guys, so many of us have this weakness of not receiving correction, and it will be your downfall. We deal with the same issues. We go around the same circles, around the same mountain for 10, 20, 30, 40 years. And we can't get free because we can't accept a word of correction in our life. We're too bound up in pride. If we want to be successful in this life, we've got to learn to humble ourselves and take tough news to heart. We've got to be in, make it an intentional goal to become a person that is open to correction. Now, I don't know if there's any of you, we'll probably have somebody who would say, yes, I love correction. Most of us would not say that. I don't know many people that would say, I'm just waiting for a word of correction. Maybe I'll get one tomorrow. Yes, come on. That's not where most of us are at. So look, I'm going to give you a couple things real quick. A couple of things to do when correction comes your way, okay? The first thing, don't react with knee-jerk negativity. Many times the first thing we do is decide that we're being attacked. And we cut them off. First thing you probably need to do is take five or ten deep breaths. Before you speak, right? Second thing I would say to you, we need to consider the source, right? If correction is coming from somebody who has not proven that they are for you and that they love you, 
that speaks volumes. This is probably where you say, okay, thank you. And you walk away. But let me say this. That doesn't mean you throw out the criticism. Did you know that even your enemy, when they criticize you, usually, usually there's truth to it. The difference is they want to use it against you, right? But there's usually truth to it. So even if somebody who is not for you criticizes you, the wise thing to do would be to take it before the Lord. Say, Lord, I know I don't feel like that person is for me. I don't feel like they've proven themselves in my life. I don't feel like there was a relationship there for them to say those words to me. But I want you to show me if there's any truth to what they said. If I need to make a course correction, I want you to, I want you to reveal that to me. On the other hand, if a person who has walked with you, a person that has proven that they love you and that they're for you, a person that loves the Lord, if they come to you and they confront you, I would tell you this. You better listen. It may be the word of the Lord in your life. It may be his voice speaking. Doesn't mean you have to like it, but you need to listen. They may not even be right, but you thank them because they love you. And they've proven themselves that they are for you in your life. And how many of you know one of the most difficult things in this life to do is to confront somebody that you love? That's a hard thing. So thank them and love them for being willing to even put the relationship on the line by confronting you. Let's jump back to Judah for a minute. So Haggai. Zechariah, they deliver this warning and command of the Lord to them. And Judah does the most unexpected thing. They listen. They got it. You would think after 16 years, my first thought reading their history is, they would just discard what the prophet said. Nope, they listened. And the Bible says they got right back to work. The work on the temple resumed, and as it was completed, we see the flow of God's blessing in their lives again. Things begin to change. They were back on track, and guys, Jesus was on the way. We're two chapters away from getting to Jesus. Y'all excited about that? It's going to be actually September when we get there. We have our annual outreach day and Dr. Leon in between, but we got two more Sundays and then I, I'm thinking about having a Christmas party in September. We're going to talk about the coming of the Messiah. He finally came through the tribe of Judah to save all of mankind. Guys, let me just get you where you're at, just to bow your heads for just a moment. We've talked about these four points. God will always make a way. Things must be different. We've got to stay alert to the enemy's schemes, and we've got to be open to correction. This positions us in a place where God can use us to fulfill our purpose in the earth today. That's where you'll find God's best for you. So, real quickly, firstly, if you're here, if you're watching online, 
Number one, the Bible tells us we got to surrender our hearts to Jesus. That's the most important step. We accept that he is Lord and Savior. We turn, we repent of our sin. We turn from our past and our sinful ways. And we follow him from this day forward. And if that's you and you recognize that you're away from him, maybe you've never given your life to him, maybe you're the prodigal. And you somehow have just kind of drifted away and you recognize that it's time to come home, I just encourage you, even right now, just pray a prayer and just say something. Just say, Heavenly Father, just say, I, I, I thank you for Jesus. Tell him. I just say, Lord, I recognize I've tried to live this life on my own. I've, I've been an utter failure at it. I, I know that my life is full of sin and failure, shame and guilt. I repent. So sorry, Lord. I turn away from those things now. I accept Jesus as my sacrifice. I thank you that he took the judgment I deserved. And just tell him, just say, Jesus, you are my Lord and you are my Savior. And I choose to follow you all the days of my life. Holy Spirit, fill me, empower me to be everything you've called me to be. In Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for those that are here, those that are watching online, that just feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit right now. I thank you, Lord, for your presence invading their space where maybe they've left you out. They've cut you out in the past. Thank you right now, Lord, that they're letting you in. Thank you, Lord, that hard hearts are being softened. Walls are coming down. In Jesus' name. And Lord, for the rest of us, Lord, I know that we have a tendency sometimes to get so distracted and just like the children of Israel, sometimes it doesn't seem quite as blatant as, as their sin, but other times it does, even more so. Lord, we examine our own lives right now. We recognize the areas where we have not let you in. We recognize the areas where we need to return to you and give you everything. And Lord, we even intercede and believe on behalf of those loved ones, those family members, those friends we have that have, that have wandered away. And we call them back in Jesus' name. Lord, we're going to serve you every day of our life. You will not take second place. You are top priority. And we will follow you to the end. In Jesus' name. Guys, if... I, I, just, I, I just feel like there's a couple people and, and you're just really at a place of decision. You're just... Your heart's probably beating out of your chest. You may just be watching online and didn't expect it at all. That's the Holy Spirit. Don't reject it. He welcomes you back with open arms. And I would encourage you, actually do this. Um, we'll, we'll put it up. Actually, it's at the bottom of the Facebook feed if you're watching online. Uh, even if you've already done it, fill out your connection card again. If you gave your life to Christ 
check that and, and resubmit it to us so that I, I want to get somebody in contact with you. Or maybe you rededicated your life, or maybe you just need somebody to talk to. Guys, that's what we're here for. We're the family of God, and we're here for you. And so, um, so if you would do that so that we can reach back out to you and, and, uh, and touch base with you and help to lead you and guide you in the midst of the decisions that you're making in your life right now. But guys, y'all know it's a crazy time we're living in. As you noticed, with it being Community Group Sunday, we don't have our tables set up and our sign-up sheets and everything else, right? It's 2020. Things have got to be different. So we're going to be different, and we're going to make some changes. Y'all ready? You know, a year and a half ago, I told you guys what I felt like the Lord had given me as a vision for our church to make, grow, and equip followers of Jesus to fulfill their God-given purpose in life. We do that through community. Out of that, coming discipleship and outreach to others. How do you know um, some of that's gotten a little fuzzy this year? <laughs> what does community look like today? What, is, what does outreach look like for those who aren't really leaving their homes. Where do we go from here? And we've, we've gotten over the last few weeks, we've gotten a few powerful words from the Lord during our Sunday morning service. God telling us that his mandate hadn't changed, that we were specifically, each of us, born for such a time as this. God chose you specifically to be born for 2020 because you're needed right now. And you're thinking, how in the world can I be used? I'm, I, I, I'm hardly, I'm not really even going anywhere. I, 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 I'm... I'm not really doing anything. Guys, we have prayed and thought, and we're going to give you a lot of options. And I'll, I'll tell you, um, <laughs> I don't generally put the pressure on too hard, but I, I'm, I'm very reluctantly going to take no for an answer on this because we've got to make some changes. The church has got to, if our mandate hasn't changed, it's time for us to stop hiding in our homes. It's time for us to stop being silent. It's time, we, we have a responsibility and a mandate for God, from God to be there for one another. I'm not talking about you got to be all up in somebody's face. I'm not talking about doing things that are unwise. I'm not talking about that. I'm saying there are other ways for us to accomplish this. And we've got to pray right now for creative ideas because the church should shine brighter than ever right now. And unfortunately, in some ways, it's seeming like the church is a little bit under a blanket. We've got to rise up. I'm going to invite Shauna to come up, and I'm going to do a couple things. Um, ushers. Now, let me, let me tell you guys, we're, we've made a few changes today. As you notice, Miss Chris has been out in the lobby. It's the first time we've had a table uh, out in the lobby this year. It's for the ladies to turn in their payments for the ladies' retreat. We're actually also going to pass out a piece of paper for those of you who are okay with touching a piece of paper. Our ushers are in gloves. And what we have is a list of what we are now calling community connections. And guys, it is a page full, and we're going to go through them for a minute, okay? And so I, we want to give one to one or two to each family, just depending, and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands because I want everybody to get one, 
okay? I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to make this an optional thing. We need community. So ushers, if you guys would go ahead and start passing out those sheets. And as you guys know, what we would normally do this time of year, we would have our spring and our fall semester of small groups, what we call our community groups. And, um, and so that's what we're... That's what we're aiming toward right now, but like I said, it's going to look a little bit different. Why are we needing to make some change? Well, because only about half the church has come back to the building, and no condemnation to anybody who feels the responsibility to stay home right now. Completely get that. I, I am not standing against you. I, you know, I encourage you to do uh, what you feel right before the Lord and doing right now. It's why we have upgraded our live stream and, and made that available um, to reach everybody that is, you know, as, as many people as possible. Okay. So, um, so what we have recognized is that less of the church is meeting together than ever before. And guys, okay, hold on, everybody. Heads up. He'll go over this in a minute. Everybody's reading the piece of paper. All right. Turn it face down so, on your desk. Until, here's the no. teacher. Face down. No. Listen to the vision a minute, and I promise we'll go over everything line by line and explain it, okay? I'm, 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 I'm about ready for that. Okay, but, awesome. but guys, all the stats are showing right now. Depression rates are up, anxiety rates are up, suicide rates are going out the roof in our country right now because we're isolated and it's not what God created us to do. We were not made to isolate ourselves. And so what we prayed about was ways that we could effectively make a way for every person to get involved in some kind of community, even if it's online, to see another face and to be able to communicate with somebody. The, the, the church of the Lord, the church of Jesus Christ, has got to come together in community. We see that's what it was originally built from in Acts chapter 2. They were meeting daily in the temple and from home to home. And so here's what we're going to do. You want me to continue or you want me to get a word in? Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, especially because of the circumstances, this has got to become our priority. We don't know what's going to happen in our country next week. We don't know if something will happen. And, and look, I want to know that if something happened, maybe with the pandemic or, or frankly in the years to come, if government gets out of control and churches are shut down, which I'll see the news out of Russia What's happening to the church? Oh, getting off subject. Uh, look that up. Talk about persecution. Anyway, um, we have got to do this more than ever. We have got to come together uh, in community. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to give you four options. And so what I'm going to do is we're going to mention each one of these. And what I want when we mention it, I want the leader of that to, uh, to just stand up where you're at so people can see you. I want you to know that there is another sheet at, at, in the lobby at the connection desk, and it has got all the, it's got more details on each thing and what we're doing. It's also available on the church website, which you can see at the top of the page. You can see a link so that you can get information about who's leading the group and, and a way to actually contact them as well. So option one, as we've done in the past, is to do traditional community groups the way we've always done them. 
maybe there's a topic that you're interested in. Maybe it's marriage. We've got a couple of marriage groups this time. Really cool. Maybe, I, I, I don't know. Maybe it's, maybe it's freedom. We've got freedom group again. We've got different subjects, different topics that you can gather together once every week or so uh, with other believers. So, All right, so our option one, as Pastor Rob said, is just our traditional community group. So here's what we're going to do. When I name your group, if you're the leader here, Stand up for a moment so people can have a face, and then you can be seated. So we've got our Vertical Youth Outdoors, um, which is for 6th through 12th grade, and they are meeting weekly on Wednesdays from 6 to 8. We have our Young Adults Group, which is for 18 through 25-year-olds. Madison right here leads. That's on Wednesday, 6.30 to 8.30 in her home. We have Biblical Foundations with Robert um, Montgomery over here, um, sixth grade and up. Just that is on weekly on Thursdays at 6.30 here at the church. And then also Robert Montgomery and Jerry Branch are leading Freedom and Ministry, Freedom and Victory, which is sixth grade and up. And they meet on Sundays at 4.30 here at the church. You guys can have a seat. We have our Harvest Ministry School, which is led by Barbara Nowen. This is for 18 years and up. They meet weekly on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. here at the church. We have our Harvest Sunday School, which is going to be resuming next week at 8.45. And we've um, currently got three different teachers set up, um, myself, Robert Montgomery, and Joe Rook. Um, so that's going to be beginning next week. Um, we've got Prayer and Intercession, which is led by Jerry Branch, which is weekly um, 845 um, in person that are going to begin next week. Um, we've got our Marriage Matters with um, Dennis and Laura Sapala. Um, they are going to be leading that for married couples on Thursdays at 7 p.m. in their home. We've got our early marriage group over here. So if you've been married under 10 years, we've got um, Haley and Andrew, and they meet on Fridays. Supper's at 530, and then they begin group at 7. We have our Women in the Word, which is... Um, on Tuesday evenings, which is led by Chris Bounds, that's at 7 p.m. in her home. We have our Harvest Women, which is Kim, who's standing in the back, and Laura Sapala lead that group. And that is from 10 to 11.30 here at the church. We have our Seasoned with Grace, which is, um, actually, he's already standing, so we've got Richard. Chris and Richard Bounds <laughs> right there. This is um, for our 50 years and up, and um, they are going to be meeting in their homes on the second and fourth Sunday following service. Um, you can get details on that. Um, we've got God's Word on Healing with Pastors Bob and Ellen. That is going to meet on the first and third Sunday at 2 p.m. in their home. We have Back to Basics of Faith and Healing led by uh, Joe Rook. And that is going to be every other Thursday at 630 um, in the home of Pam Cavanis. We have um, Leading and Loving It for Women that are in Leadership. That is going to be every second and fourth Monday here at the church at 1 p.m. Um, we've got our taco, these next two, I don't think our leaders are here, but we've got our taco Thursday, um, which is for women 18 and up, led by Tracy Martin and Anna Lanier, and they meet the first, uh, or every second Thursday at 545 at different restaurants to build community, and then we've got our Monday night men's madness, which is going to meet the last Monday of the month at 7 p.m. at Buffalo Wild Wings, and that is by um, Michael Reed. Okay. We can breathe now. So those are options. <laughs> so those are for in-person community opportunities to get together in a small group, 
fellowship together. Some of you have worship, have the word, have prayer together. That is our traditional in-person community group. All right. So option two is if um, you are interested in our non-traditional. So basically, we're going to give you an opportunity to connect virtually. So that will be through Zoom. That'll be through a phone call. And so um, I'm going to go over these. So this is for you guys. Maybe you're not comfortable getting out of your home. Maybe you're not comfortable meeting together with a group of people. Um, Most of these, all but one actually, are some of the community groups we already mentioned. And what they've agreed to do is agreed to live stream their community group and, and do it over Zoom. So you are able to be a part. You're able to see them. They're able to see you. You're able to communicate back and forth during. All right. So the first one is something that we've never done before. And this is actually a Sunday post service Zoom. And so for all of you that watch online that maybe would like to have an opportunity to just have a face and have somebody pray with you and discuss the message, that will be a group that immediately following the Sunday morning service um, does online using Zoom, and that will be available for all ages. Um, Our biblical foundations is going to be made available. Once again, that's by uh, Robert, um, and that's on Thursdays at 630. Our freedom and victory, um, Harvest Ministry School, Harvest Sunday School, our prayer and intercession, um, that's not going to be done through video. Um, They actually do it through a conference call, so you can call in, and you can be a part of that. Our uh, Marriage Matters group is going to do through Zoom, our Harvest Women, and then Leading and Loving It. And so that's some of those groups where you can still get the word, you can still get interaction with people, um, and and be a part. So guys, we've got more of the traditional options than we've ever had before, and here are nine virtual options to be involved virtually if you don't feel comfortable getting out of your home and gathering with other families. Option three. All right, so option three is where you're saying, you know what, I am interested in um, a mentorship program that is one-on-one, either in person or over the phone um, for 12 consecutive weeks. And so you agree to basically an hour a week to meet with somebody that has agreed to be to be a mentor and just walk through life. You know, a lot of times think, people think mentorship means something's wrong with me. No, mentorship is just somebody coming alongside you and maybe answering some of the questions that you have about your faith. Or maybe you're new to parenting and you're like, I need some help with this. And so we go along somebody that can help coach you we and help you. Um, finances, mm-hmm. all kinds of different things. And so and we've got that available with our women's ministry and with our men's ministry. And then um, a, a last option I wanted to mention um, for those of you who, um, who just, maybe you're newer in the church. Maybe you don't know many people in the church family. Maybe you would like to get to know more folks. What we're going to do is we're going to do a sign-up. And you can see the link at the bottom where you can choose how you make a connection. You can click on that. Uh, obviously not on your paper. Um, you can go to that link, sorry. And, um, and what we'll do is we're going to give your name out to some of our leaders and different things. And they will just begin to invite you over. Maybe meet up for a cup of coffee. Maybe to have dinner. Maybe to go for a walk at the park. Whatever it is, just the opportunity for you to get to know another family in the church. You're not gathering in large numbers. It's, I know we called it community meetup. We just couldn't come up with a better name than that, honestly. But, but it's an opportunity for one-on-one, one family to meet together with another family. And we're not talking about counseling or, you know, whatever else. We're talking about just building Christian relationship and friendship and growing together. And maybe you get together for, like I say, for an hour and have a cup of coffee, whatever it may be, but an opportunity to build relationship with other families within our church family. Okay, so we presented you with four opportunities. I think Rob made a great uh, case for the importance of community. Um, Guys, 
You know, Sunday morning is awesome. We love the Sunday morning church experience, but you guys have heard us say for years and decades now, there's more to the Christian walk than a Sunday morning experience. We, have, to, de- we have depended on Sunday morning way too much as the body of Christ. And, and so, we've expected to get everything out of it. And we weren't, it's not what it was meant for. It's a gathering of the body of Christ to be able to come together and worship together corporately. We should be small groups of believers that get the opportunity to come together once a week and to worship together corporately. But what we've done is we've forsaken the small gatherings. We've got to reestablish that. I interrupted you. And so, uh, just kidding. And so, guys, we're just presenting you with some opportunities to, um, and guys, I know for some of you, you're like, oh, this is exciting. And some of you are like, oh, I don't know about that. Guys, remember Rob's fourth point about correction a while ago? If you are not connected to a group of believers, you're not fulfilling the Word of God the way that he says it. In well, the reality is two. it's not comfortable. But there's very little in the Christian walk, that is comfortable. Very little. God didn't call us to comfort. <laughs> and so I encourage you, even if you're kind of like, get this list, go online and pray, Lord, where would you have me be connected? You know, and maybe you're involved in community through your work, or maybe you have your own Bible study. That is awesome. We're not saying you can't do that. Right. We are just providing opportunity here at Harvest for anybody and everybody that causes their church home and church family to not have a reason to say nobody knows my name, to say nobody called me when my dad was in the hospital, to say when I was sick, we don't know your name if you're not connected. And so that connection gives you that opportunity for ministry, for meeting needs, for praying, for encouraging, for correction, for love, for the gifts that God's placed on the inside of us to be developed and to grow. And so here's our challenge. You see right there on the bottom, um, those of you that are here, you can, can we give permission to do this now? You're wrapping up. You can actually go to that link. Um, Those of you that are church family, at 1130, an email came out to your email address. You've already gotten it. With this link. Hopefully, did it show up like in your Yes, and we've gotten one response. We've already gotten one response. Thank you, Mike Reed. Most of you already uh, got an email. Already joined a group. Um, I see you there. So we are trying to give you every opportunity. We got you a piece of paper. We got you an email on the Facebook live stream. We have a link you can press. And guys, here's our challenge. What are you going to choose to be a part of? How are you going to choose to be connected? And so, guys, on that link, click whatever you're interested in. We will forward your email to the leader over that, and they will be reaching out to you this week with more information and details. And, guys, this starts next Sunday. All right? Next Sunday. And, guys, we are not, we are not going to let this die off. This is not going to be something that we start with a big bang that, that tapers off over the, over the fall. Um, this is new direction. Okay, and we're not going to let it go. And members and active attenders of Harvest, you're probably going to get a call this week. Somebody's going to call you and say, so how are you getting connected in community at Harvest? Okay, guys, come on. When Michael's ready to make that call. We've got two, two elders clapping. That's, that's awesome. It's awesome. Um, <laughs> guys, We have got to get connected in community. We have got to know that, God forbid, if we couldn't meet within these four walls for a period of time, like has happened this year, we got to know that ministry is going to continue. 
we got to know that equipping is going to continue. we got to know that discipleship is going to continue. we got to know that outreach is going to continue. These things cannot be stymied or slowed down. we got to keep moving forward. And I believe if we do this right, and if everybody will get involved, I think we'll take a giant leap forward. So, we got a sheet you've been given. At the connection desk, we have another sheet that has more details. It's broken down front and back. We have, we've given you a site on the church website to go to. We've given you a link at the bottom of this page. It's also on your live stream at the bottom of your Facebook feed right now that you can go to to begin checking. And by the way, you don't have to choose just one option. You can choose multiple depending on what your time schedule looks like. Uh, we encourage you to get involved as much as you can possibly be involved because it is for your good. And outside of that, there's somebody in this church that needs you. They need your voice. They need your love. They need your encouragement. We're only able to do so much of that in this setting. We've got to get involved in community. Amen? Amen. All right. Well, Lord, we thank you that you are a God of love and you are a God of community. I thank you, Lord, that when we said yes to Jesus... We weren't alone. You gave us a massive family that we were grafted into. We were adopted. And we thank you for that. So I pray right now, as we begin to pursue this new vision as a church, Lord, that you would impress on each of our hearts the importance of getting involved in community with other believers. I pray, Lord, that as we go into this fall and even into the spring of next year, that you would lead us and that you would guide us and that we, the community aspect of Harvest would grow stronger and more solid than it ever has before in Jesus' name. And that, that would be because we all choose to contribute and to do our part. Lord, we thank you for where you're going to lead this and where you're going to guide it. Thank you for what you're going to do in our lives. And I thank you for what you're going to do through our lives. Or we look forward to the testimonies as we make a shift to continue in the mandate that you have called us to. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277.